welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. In this, the final episode of the One Table series, the Chans and Vitalis share from personal experience of the lessons learned from pursuing unity in their own lives. How do you walk through the process of reconciliation when you're the one who's been hurt? And is repentance something that we just have to do when we've sinned, or is it a gift that God gives us to draw closer to Him and others? We pray that this series has stirred a desire in you to see the Bride of Christ healed, whole, and walking in the fullness of the love of God. Okay, well, this is our last session. <laughs> At least, uh... Who knows, maybe for good. We'll see if anyone watches any of these and gets encouraged by them. Otherwise, this is definitely our last. Um, uh, but in that, uh, I feel like there's a little bit of an elephant in the room. Um, and we've talked about, should we address this? Should we not talk about it? Um, but bottom line, both of you guys were working with Robbie Zacharias uh, for years. How many years? It's Twelve for Twelve me. years. Um, so you guys were like family. Um, we were in Hong Kong when we got the news about his passing, and then afterwards, all the news that came out uh, that was just heartbreaking for a lot of people. Yes. Um, uh, it, I, I don't know if there's been um, an event that's been even more difficult for the general population of Christians in the U.S. Um, than the whole situation with Robbie. And I know some of you guys even coming out here to hang with us is to just kind of restore yourselves and everything just your walk with the lord and just your peace and i mean you spent a lot of time dealing with the conflicts the um division. yeah the division that mm -hmm. that went on because of it and um i don't know i would just love for you guys to share whatever god puts on your heart regarding that because i think i'm interested people are interested like how do you make it through something like that what it, what did god teach you through it um because i think for some people it really caused their faith to take a turn for the worse mm. um and so yeah i mean as the spirit leads whatever you feel comfortable with sharing um gosh i'd love to i think we'd love to hear thanks francis um and yeah just as you're talking about that we just feel real gratitude toward you and Lisa in particular because you guys were so faithful and consistent in praying for us through that season and then we will we'll always I can't think the number of people that I've already said this to you know your wise advice that after you heard more of our story after we stepped away from RZIM you know just saying that a healthy season of of recuperation just mm -hmm. in the context of the church um, and just ensuring there was just intimacy with the Lord and provision and healing from him before stepping mm -hmm. forward I and mean, that was just so mm -hmm. significant for for our family to be able to come out here and be embedded in the church so so quickly mm -hmm. and we, we really feel like that was from the Lord so we're we're deeply grateful and yeah it's interesting that we that we wound up talking so much about church division and unity and you were writing the book until unity mm -hmm. while we had two years sort of living through a big messy organizational conflict and, and division that resulted from everything and so it's been interesting to think about how we wound up at this table talking about this in light of what we've been through in the last mm. couple of years and I think part of it is that when everything did happen at RZIM and everything came to light, there was such an instinct. My instinct was to point the finger in every other direction. But I think part of 
what we've begun to learn over the last couple of years is that it's only really through repentance that you take steps toward reconciliation. And the most significant turning point for us was when the Lord said, look for you and particularly you as leaders, I want you to look to yourselves first. And when we allowed him to do that, we realized actually we, we had a lot of repentance to do to various people. And sometimes we would sit down with a piece of paper, somebody that we were in conflict with, and there'd be nothing on, on the page. You know, our initial instinct was, no, they've wronged us. We haven't wronged them. We haven't done anything wrong. And I can't tell you how many times when we brought the Lord into that conversation and said, if there's something, reveal it to us. And within an hour, we would have pages after pages mm. of things where the Lord had examined our hearts and said, mm. yeah, there are things that you can repent of. And it completely transformed our understanding of repentance from a punishment, which is something that you always want to avoid at all costs, mm -hmm. to a privilege and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so we slowly, we stopped asking the question, do we have to repent? And we started asking the question, do we have the opportunity mm -hmm. to repent? Because the Bible mm -hmm. talks about repentance as this gift that leads to life. Mm -hmm. And as we started to actually experience that in our own lives and see relationships reconciled and restored, we just wanted to lean into that further and further. And so then we, we come out here and, and with you guys and with the leaders in the church and in Crazy Love, we're talking a lot about the church and church division and church unity. And we realize that our self-preservation instincts is exactly the same. Mm. You know, um, the Catholics did this, the Anglicans did that, mm. the Baptists, you know, did such and such. And by the way, I wasn't even around in 1054 or yeah, 1517 yes, yes, or 1534 yes, yeah, yeah. or like whatever, whatever huh. it was. Mm. And I think there's mm -hmm. this emerging conviction even through this podcast series that we need to take the same step back and, and open our hands mm -hmm. before the Lord and say, no, where's, where's my ownership mm -hmm. in this? Where's my complicity? Maybe I haven't just inherited disunity, but maybe I've been complicit in it mm -hmm. in certain ways. And can we, can we ask not, do we have to repent, but mm -hmm. is there this opportunity to embrace the biblical gift of repentance as we move from just mm -hmm. an acquiescence or an apathy mm -hmm. towards the disunity mm -hmm. of the church to really wanting to fight for mm -hmm. the oneness of the church. And so even as we started this podcast series, I think we ourselves were kind of trying to figure out a little bit, like, why does, the God, why does God have us in this conversation at yeah. this time? And it, it's now becoming somewhat clear to us. And what we've learned over the last two years is that there is, there is no shortcut to unity. Like, it is only through repentance that oneness is is possible that unity is possible mm -hmm. there's no other way there's no mm -hmm. shortcut and it's hard like mm -hmm. it's it's hard work but it's it's beautiful mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. so worth it and we've had a glimpse of that we're still very much in that process but we've had a glimpse of that as we've walked that path following mm -hmm. everything that happened at RZIM and now i think God's sort of in some ways expanding our ability to trust him that that process mm. could bring beautiful redemption in other areas as well mm. and why couldn't he do that not just in a small way in our own lives but for the church mm. as a whole mm. now you know if you guys feel comfortable you know like you're saying okay well we needed to repent of some things and we looked mm. in ourselves you know obviously we don't have to you don't have to confess everything to you know the whole world but yeah you know what are what were some of those things where you look and you go, hmm. this was wrong with me. Yeah, and um, how long you got? You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, it's not a you know it's not a lack of not wanting to share. It's more just um, mm -hmm. you know I think the interesting thing yeah. about this process is um, you can be really blind to things about yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and and when you take that initial first cracking the door open to being like, okay, maybe I can own this little thing, and then. And then suddenly like, oh, and then there was that and that, and, you know, it's just 
almost like the longer you have to sit with something like over the last year, I would say there are things I, I repented of to certain people relationally and mm. um, that I fully meant and felt like was the full confession, you know, like mm. back in like March and then again at like Christmas and then this summer. But every time it's it, in some ways, it's been the same relationship, but but the more you kind of press into repentance, I think the more you see of your own heart, the more you can be like, oh, well, actually that that was just the tip of the iceberg here. Or actually I said, sorry for this thing, but I didn't really look at the deeper motives behind that. So let's mm. come back again. And um, and that might, that might sound very like exhausting and self-flagellating like, oh, we, mm. are we not done with this? Like how mm. long does this process take? But, but actually, um, I don't know, there's something about um, walking into repentance has been extremely freeing because... Mm. Um, when you're met with grace, you know, when you're mm. met with grace, first from God, but also from the person in front of you, that's an extraordinary gift to be given. When, when you've wronged mm. somebody, you come to them and you say, I'm sorry, and and they, they forgive you. That is such an incredible mm. experience of liberation and freedom that it actually changed in some way, which is so stupid because I'm like, how long have I been a Christian to not have really <laughs> learned this lesson, but actually kind of made me feel joyful about the whole thing. Like, Like, oh my goodness, like I get to look at myself and be like, oh, but this wasn't good to you. And actually, like, I want to bring it to that person because mm-hmm. I, I want um, to be able to bless them um, mm-hmm. by, by sharing a way that I've, I've wronged them and actually that I recognize that and owning some more of something that caused them hurt. But also, for me, it's so freeing because there isn't mm-hmm. shame, you know, in Christ. Like, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, anyone who mm-hmm. believes in God will never be put to shame. Um, those who look to him are radiant, their faces are covered mm-hmm. in shame. And just all of those aspects, I think that I initially maybe had these ideas I had around repentance that, oh, it'd be so shaming. It's so damning. It's mm-hmm. so condemning to have to like, uh, like yeah. own my mess or look at myself and realize, oh, I'm so much more of a sinner than I realized. But yeah. actually this journey has actually been so freeing to be like, Jesus, like, your grace truly is enough. And mm. and so that's the framework for it. But if, you know, I guess, you know, probably the biggest um, example for me of something I would want to point to is, um, is just a, a lack of, of listening, um, mm. which which is a much, um, which is a symptom of a much deeper problem, which is a lack of love, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think we, and you said it really, really well, but uh, yeah, I think we, I think we loved, we really actively loved the people that we wanted to love yes, and, and the people that it was convenient for us to love. Um, and, and I think we feel conviction that actually we're called to love everyone in a situation. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask the question from all the different perspectives, what does it mean to love this person? And that Jesus loved the people that he seemingly shouldn't have loved or who were the hardest to love. Mm-hmm. And, so that's where there's you know, so many examples where, you know, we reflect back and we go, you know what, when mm-hmm. when this person said that to this person publicly, mm-hmm. yeah, if I'm honest, I knew that wasn't that wasn't a loving thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in relationship with that person in a way I wasn't with that person. And, you know, um, it'll just make things messier and hurt relationships if I say something. And so there was a cowardice you know, at times as well, um, to speak and act in situations in the way that you would if you actually followed Jesus and saying, I'm going to love every person here, not just the person I have more history with, not just the person who I connect with more, you know, personally, not just the person who's closer to where I am in terms of my role, you know, within, within an organization. So I think, I think you're right to focus on the theme of love and there's all sorts of details we could get into, but in that general sense, there was more love in our heart for those that we wanted to love and for whom it was convenient for us to love them Mm -hmm. than for everyone. And actually Mm -hmm. there's a specific call in the gospel to love those Mm -hmm. who are on the margins. And I think there's even something to that, that sometimes, because there was so much relational breakdown, you know, Mm -hmm. within the organization after what happened. And one one person put it to me, which I thought was really well said, was that it's like a bomb exploded and shrapnel went everywhere, Mm -hmm. but it hit people in totally different places. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was so hurt, but in different ways, which Mm -hmm. made it really hard to like, because everyone was reacting differently because their pain was in a a different place, even depending on, you know, which part of the world you're in, which culture Mm -hmm. you were seeing this from, how well you'd 
known mm. Ravi, like the layers of hurt were so different, but everyone was hurt in different ways. But then the, a lot of people were reacting out mm. of that hurt in different ways, which led to more hurt because people couldn't understand each other in mm. their hurt. And they were like, why are you saying this? How can you think that? How could that be mm. the right response? And, um, and I think, it, so yeah, I would say more hurt was caused by our lack of ability to see, oh, your hurt's different from mine. And that's why you're mm. processing it this way and how do we like you know meet um mm. and kind of recognize the difference in hurt and therefore that maybe the steps initially might look different in those yeah. initial months of uh, of response and and kind of having grace for each other in the different ways that um that we would see things but i think one thing we felt you know so two things we felt the lord saying from early on was firstly like you know focus on your own sin i like, don't, don't yeah. necessarily start with everybody else's even though you know in certain instances when it's you know i recognize when where there's an issue of justice like you do you know there are mm. things sometimes that do need to be addressed there is accountability that needs to be spoken mm. about so i don't want to minimize that but for us personally mm. we just felt like god was saying focus on your own um sin first and then secondly we just felt like a strong word of just keep listening to everybody because i which again is about you know try to love widely not just love because it was easy in that time to kind of um you could pick a side or pick a um um a team or or whatever and and then get frustrated by the way that other people were reacting but kind of what we found was in part because it's hard to see your own sin when it's your own sin like so you know in some ways like if you you were doing it you might stop but but we have so much blindness Mm. and especially in something this complex it's a very complex situation Mm. and 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 complicity is complicated right (laughs) Mm. um it's very complicated Uh, you can't see necessarily the thing the ways that you've hurt people sometimes you just you're not even aware of it sometimes and um, but through the act of of trying to listen to people who did see things differently even if they're more critical and mm. um, is is actually to say okay but you know where is this this coming from or what are you seeing perhaps about myself or the way something was done or run and um, that and um, that i and um, because of my position because of my blindness you know what you know my own sin of not wanting to see perhaps like I I haven't heard that and I think some some of what we saw in that time is that I think sometimes um if someone says something to you in a way that you don't receive as loving then it's very easy to dismiss what might be true of the criticism so if you don't like the way someone says something to Mm. you (laughs) then it's very easy to be like oh well you know they're just an unloving person Mm. they're just a critical person but actually like trying to peel away and saying, okay, like maybe it hurt the way that Mm. came at me, but perhaps they felt like there was no other way to be heard. Maybe Mm. they felt like they tried other ways and and it didn't get them anywhere. Mm. So now they're just being more um, direct. Maybe they're also hurt. So some of their hurt is showing in the way that they're responding. But regardless of what the reaction is, what's the truth in what they're saying Mm. and what is the hurt that's been done to them that has then caused them to react in this way? So rather than getting annoyed by the response saying, okay, like, but what's behind it and do what what have I done wrong you know or how have I harmed you in the first place that led to this kind of reaction and and I I think one one feeling I just have in all of it is that sometimes the people who are maybe more um more outspoken and and more critical can get labeled as people who are Mm. difficult or they're the villain or that you know rather (laughs) um and so I think in a way they're easier to then dismiss but that's not right um, I think they need a perhaps need a greater hearing and um, mm. and and perhaps the very things that make you receive them as more critical is actually a gift God has given them to be a, a truth teller even mm. when it's hard and mm. so that's a part of the body of Christ that we need mm-hmm. to would you say that's a fair mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. reflection on some of some of the mm-hmm. some of it um, yeah I mean I hear what you're saying and first of all uh, this is very convicting and. Uh, <laughs> I think partially because I've always looked at you two and really the ministry as a whole as being very loving. Mm. When you'd hear people come at you mm. with some very strong statements and I'd be like, oh, listen mm. to the grace, you know, mm-hmm. that, and then it's like, hey, let's talk afterwards. I'll, I'll give you my number and let's, mm-hmm. let's continue because I, I, I love you. I want this to, yes. and the sincerity of that. And so... Mm. It's convicting to see that you want to grow in that, um, because also I I I I don't envy that role where you you're put in positions where you're kind of asked to, in a sense, debate 
or have conversation, right? Right. You don't have conversation, but we, as the audience listening to you, we want you to win. You know, yes. like that's where we're like, yeah, okay. you know. And so I know how I get when I'm in competition. I don't think about loving my opponent. Like that time we played basketball, I care less about your feelings. You beat me. You know, it just it was frustrating. I don't. I don't. I'm not think. I'm just thinking me. Yeah. So that's what has been um, really, I, I feel like, a, a hallmark, a, a mm-hmm. distinction of that ministry mm. was like, wow. And, yeah, and that's where truth I, and grace. It was, I, I think in some ways that was one of our biggest discouragements through it all. Yeah. Was exactly like this is who we were as a ministry. Outwardly. Yeah. You know, an atheist can come to the microphone and yeah, ask yeah. the most antagonistic question with, with hate oh, in his voice. And it was so intuitive to respond yeah. with love, you know, and it was practiced and it was, it was, a, it was a pattern of the mm. heart, you know, and, and we longed for that because even at mm. times we knew like, boy, if there's that much emotion there, like mm. this person might be a lot closer to the Lord, you know, mm. than we think. But then when it happened internally yeah. and we received criticism from each other, all of a sudden we reacted very differently than, than yeah. we did, you know, when we received it from the atheists at at the microphone. And I think that's, I mean, that in some way connects us back to this question about church unity and division as well. Yeah. Like when we don't often actually respond with grace and love to each other within the body of Christ in the way that we at our best at least do when it's, when it's from outside as well. So, so that's where for us, these conversations connect because I've realized you know, even through this podcast series, boy, I haven't gone through that same process with respect to brokenness and disunity yeah. in the church. Yeah. Like with everything that happened at RZM, mm-hmm. the Lord, you know, led us through that process. Look to yourself first. Where can you embrace mm-hmm. the gift of, of repentance? But when it's church disunity, it's it's so and so did that. This communion did that. That happened a thousand mm-hmm. years ago, and I'm just apathetic. And I feel like the Lord's bringing mm-hmm. conviction to say. Look, the the process to unity, Mm -hmm. reconciliation, oneness, it's the Mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. It's the same in your marriage. It's the same in your friendships. It's the same at RZM. It's Mm -hmm. the same in the church. Mm -hmm. So each of us needs to look to our own hearts. Where's the apathy that I've had about Mm -hmm. the division in the church? Where are the times I've competed my denomination against mm-hmm. your denomination? What are the jokes that, that I've told that I, I thought were funny, but are they really mm-hmm. beneficial, the jokes about other denominations, or are they actually mm-hmm. just creating further and further division? And would it be that same process where I start with a blank page mm-hmm. and nothing to mm-hmm. say, but if I actually invite the Lord into that process, I wind up with some pages mm-hmm. of the ways that actually I've, I've been involved in mm-hmm. the disunity that's mm-hmm. that's occurred within within the church. Could that start mm-hmm. to bring yeah. my heart in the same way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I just we also don't want to go. It's a it's a difficult process because mm-hmm. Scripture does make clear that there are times when you disassociate with people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so there is a type of judgment mm-hmm. that as a church we're called to make. And so I agree with you. Like mm-hmm. you listen, 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 mm-hmm. listen. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and maybe those who are most aggressive need to be heard more. But there's also the truth that, uh, y- you know, you warn a divisive person, you warn them again, then you have nothing to do with them, according to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't associate with certain people in first corinthians five and but it takes a lot of time you, you don't want to just flip and right. say oh yep. this is that type of person right um but the other thing i hear you guys saying that i i think is so important um is that all of us need to be humble enough mm-hmm. to accept the fact that we could be deceived right now hmm. and i think that's where I've actually been praying about this because, I mean, by very definition, you don't know when you're deceived. Yes. Right. Like, like we could all yeah. be deceived right now right. by right. definition. If you know you're deceived, you're, you're, not, you're not deceived. deceived. Exactly. Ah. And I, I know, I don't know why that thought never yeah. entered my mind till like a week ago. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm not deceived. I'm like, I wouldn't know if I am. That's yeah. so dumb. You know, and so my prayer this last week is God, 
I know I can be deceived. Mm. I need you, please, God, help me. Because I, I think I'm right on this. I think I'm right. I think he's wrong on this. I think she's wrong on this. But that humility that says, God, I don't, mm. like you said, I, I, how am I to say I know this person's heart? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are things we just follow black and white but there's judgment calls that are so difficult and we make decisions every day and i i think it's just waking up in the morning and saying god my fallen mind um my fallen judgment my lack of wisdom the enemy is real uh i know you are real i know you are truth um there are holes in my theology. There are holes in my perception of others. There, my judgment of others. Um, I don't even know when I'm supposed to judge people. And yeah. you know, I mean, the yeah. Bible commands us to judge those within right. the church. And it's like, how do I do that yeah. with my imperfect judgment? And and yeah. so I, I agree. Like this one issue. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a big issue. It's it's also. Um, it, it helps us think through unity and go, Yes. Yeah, I absolutely love my denomination, the people who raised me up in the Lord. I trust them. I know. And I don't trust this other guy or these other guys. Right. And so it's just a safe place to be. It feels like right. I'll just mm-hmm. stick with the people I know or I mm-hmm. think I know. Um, when in reality, I think what we're saying is there's people out there that you may have prematurely judged yes. that actually may have so much to offer to you that yes. you'll never know and never yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, and just to be open to where you may have been deceived. But mm-hmm. That's a great way of putting yeah. it, you know, and, and, and then it raises the question, like, do we care as much about being reconciled as being right? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like for a lot of my life, it was just, I'd rather be right than, even if it causes division, I'd rather be right. And both, I mean, truth isn't, it's important. You know, our, our whole ministry has been, has been founded on truth and trying to communicate and we're in no way letting go of that. But is there also in my heart, this deep desire for mm-hmm. unity and reconciliation? And I feel like when your heart is, is longing in that direction, for love as much as it's also longing for truth when both of those things are in your heart then you're in that that better place to judge you know to to make discerning judgments about where's the where's their divisiveness and and where is there a, a criticism that maybe has been expressed in a way that hurt but there's but there's truth in it like until god put love in our heart in a deeper way where we were willing to look to ourselves before others then i don't think we were in a place to make that that sort of discernment and that's where I think in the you know in the church you know for me unity oneness in the church it was always like a secondary second order third order fourth order issue Mm -hmm. you know we got to get out there and evangelize people we got to get out there and introduce people to the Lord too bad the church is so fragmented but that happened a long time ago and there's nothing we can do about it and just this last week a friend said to me and this really hits home with two two young boys, three years old and two years old. But a friend said to me, if your children are estranged from each other, if your children are in conflict, mm. then as a parent, no other achievements they could have in life mm-hmm. could could make up from that. You know, they, they got into a top college, they, they had huge promotion at work. Mm. But but if they're actually not loving each other, if they're in conflict, mm-hmm. like that's that's what you long for more than anything. And so, mm-hmm. if our desire is is really to please the heart of God, like this is not a secondary issue. Like yes. if if Jesus's family is not united, mm-hmm. he's he's not in heaven rejoicing at these impressive things that we're doing mm-hmm. if we're not actually longing for mm-hmm. for oneness with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking just given the fact that Francis has um, celebrity status in the world. No, um, the fact that he's a known person, it mm-hmm. opens you up for a lot of 
criticism yes. and judgment. And so yeah. it's, it could be easy, given our position, to start with, wow, it's very painful when people misjudge you and are critical and percent speak things that are not true. Um, but what I hear you guys saying, which I feel like the Lord has also done in my heart, is, hey, Lisa, have you misjudged? people mm. you know have you started out mm. with a critical spirit <laughs> and thought things that were not true and so always to start with humility and that reflection mm. that search my heart That's right. God. Yes. search my heart like I'd love to hear that you're praying that way like always we have to have that inner conversation with the Lord like show me where I'm off Lord because yes. our whole you know, focus is the finger pointing, That's which right. is so much easier to do. Like, like you said, the building blocks are right in every relationship. So even in marriage, it's so easy, so easy to just look at everything he's doing right. The other person, that's just natural. It's our flesh. Yes. It's so our flesh. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But the spirit just says, look mm. at your own heart. You know, search my heart, God. Where am I? I don't care if it's 80% this argument is 80% his problem. Like, what's my 20%? You know, where is it in me that my thoughts are not honoring to you? Because my greatest desire is to be right with the Lord. To fear God and to love God. And so, yeah, we just need so much humility. Yeah, and so, but... I just love that because when you're there, like, and when you're kind of recognizing, like, what what I owe to God, like, how much I've sinned against Him, and He has forgiven mm. me so much, mm-hmm. then, like, mm. then honestly, like, if it, it just it kind of frees you from holding those grudges against other people, or that uh, that attitude that says, like, mm. well, you need to meet me halfway. Like, mm. I'm not going to come with my repentance until mm. you can bring your repentance. Mm. Like, if you can't own your sin. Mm then I'm not going to own my 20% or my whatever. But like, and I look at Christ, he like, he loved us first, you know, and he didn't know us anything. Like There was no sin in him, but he still came to the table first. He still went like the full distance for us. And so then I'm like, well, what is like the biblical model? It isn't to sit around being like, well, if you meet me halfway, then maybe we can like, you know, negotiate this thing out. And, you know, and I don't have to feel so bad because I get to do my, I'm sorry, but, but just like, just the surrender of all of my like, need to um to minimize my own sin and to point the finger and to have my like um you know my ego smoothed or my you just just to be able to say no like let me go first like because Mm -hmm. I recognize that whatever someone brings against me whatever sin they bring at me like they know nothing like you know Vince Mm -hmm. is pointing out you know when we like (laughs) early on in this process like you know even if I get called out for some things publicly that I've got wrong and even if maybe people say more publicly about us than was actually true of what Mm -hmm. we did or didn't do wrong like in that in one respect Mm -hmm. there's so much more to our hearts that people thank God will never know that is so like not right before Mm -hmm. the Lord that if I get called out for these things here and here that aren't true like Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be called more of a sinner than I actually am (laughs) at the end of the day like God's grace for me is so huge and that that's okay like kind of I can shrug that off I can let that go if some people think things of me that aren't true whatever at the end of the day um but I'd much rather go into it saying God like examine my heart um, show me there's so much more that you see that I don't see and you know in 10 years from now I'll look back on things and be like whoa like I can't believe I used to think that way. I can't believe I used to do that and think that was okay. And thank God that in his mercy and his loving kindness that leads us towards mm. repentance, like he had the long suffering to bear with me on that journey of, <laughs> of taking those steps. And so um, can I be, can I have loving kindness towards others? Like if they're not ready to repent, that's okay. But let me at least repent of what I owe. And then the rest is, is before the Lord and it's between them and the Lord. And, and how can I love them in that? And, um, so it's just like a reframing yeah. of like I hate people to think oh Joe and Vince like it's been like two years and they're still like drowning in shame mm-hmm. or this. like that's not how we feel yeah. I'm actually like stepping into repentance even as God continues to show yeah. me things like from years ago and I'm like oh no I got that wrong too like yeah. <laughs> you could be super depressed you're like oh this is an endless like 
bottomless mm. well of sin in my heart. Or you say like, thank you, God, for showing me something else about myself. Thank you for this opportunity to step into more freedom with you, to become mm. more like you, to become more the woman yes. and the man that you have made yeah, me to we... be. And God, please keep showing me because I want to be free and I want to become who you're calling me to be for your church and so do like our prayer in this has been like do this like really painful hard work in us of bringing conviction now out of what has happened so that in, in a church that is so hurt and so many people have been abused and there's been so, in so many different ways so much wrongdoing and, and it's it, you know it's partly why people are deconstructing they're leaving the church and and trust is really broken, and um, mm. and so God, like, let mm. us become the people you need us to be through this, um, so that we can be a safe place for for people mm. who are hurting and wounded, and mm. like, where can I turn? And you know, don't waste mm. this lesson in us. Mm. Don't let us run from it because oh, it's like painful, mm. yeah. like mm. seeing these things in us. But mm. God, let us run towards that and everything that you're doing in us. Mm. Um, because we want to be like Christ, and I yeah. know what Christ's heart is like. Yeah. yeah. For the wounded and the, and the and we, we abused and the oppressed, we found this asymmetry in our hearts because uh, it's you know, it's really hard when you receive unjust criticism. Um, but I also receive a lot of unjust praise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sort of public <laughs> figure. Yes, so I receive that just fine. Yeah. You know, oh, and when I when, when <laughs> I weigh up like the amount of unjust, mm-hmm. you're the best. You're you're the smartest person. You know, I I know it when it's when it's too lofty. You know. And when I weigh it, you know, and so we just, we felt this conviction, the Lord saying, however, in the way you respond to this situation, don't respond by trying to convince people that you're better than you are. Because <laughs> yeah. he said, that's yeah. just not the gospel, yeah. right? That, mm-hmm. no, you should accept me because I'm going to earn, I'm going to earn my righteousness yeah. back into your, mm-hmm. you know, good thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you're mm-hmm. a sinner in need of a savior. And so make sure you respond in a way that actually mm-hmm. communicates communicates that mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. well so much good stuff um, that you just shared uh, but we got to bring this to an end <laughs> and I was thinking too um, you know because I don't know I don't know if we'll ever do this again so with that thought of okay this could be a what what's one last thing or is there one last thing you'd like to share before we wrap this up. Well, as Joe was speaking, I was just thinking of um, Stephen, you know, when he's being stoned and he mm. is able to say, like Christ, like, f- you know, forgive them. Like his heart yeah, is wow. for the people. Right. And I was thinking, Lord, we're so far from that. My own heart is so far from that. And, and I guess that's my hope is that there, the spirit is at work in some of, in his body, he always is. But that we want to stir up that heart. We want people to hear and start responding in that way, like that their heart would be pierced to say, Lord, make me more like that to say, forgive them, forgive them, yes. forgive them, and forgive me, yes. you know? yes. Um, not why, how could they do that? How could, and I've been there. I know you can play the scenario. You can play the hurtful mm-hmm, words. You mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. work yourself up. But if you can just in that moment, say, Lord, forgive them, forgive them and help me forgive them. You know, uh, like the Lord's prayer, um, uh, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Like we just want that heart, that humility, that forgiveness. Um, and so, that's just all my heart is thinking of in this moment. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking of when, when they found the book of the law, and you know the Lord says to King Josiah, "Because you've humbled yourself and torn your robes, I have heard you." Mm-hmm. And will God just do that in our, in our hearts that we would be humble, that we would tear our robes, and that He would, He would hear this cry for. For unity, and I just kind of had an emerging sort of dream over the last. This is just the last few days, but I'll mm-hmm. I'll just throw it on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago as a church we were reading First Corinthians, and, and this idea that although we're many, we're one body mm-hmm. because we all share 
of one loaf of one mm-hmm. bread and and I was just thinking this week is interesting you know it doesn't say because we're all under the same authority because we're all in the same building because we're all the same denomination but because mm-hmm. we all share of one one bread mm-hmm. you know of one of one loaf and I just you know just just started to sort of imagine you know what could that look like and even the first episode of this series we sort of we started by mm-hmm. lamenting mm-hmm. you know the fact that across different segments, brokenness within the church, we're not able to do that. You know, mm-hmm. and I've just started to dream about what could that look like. And and the images it, it, over the last few days, it, it, that's been on my heart, that have just been going through my, my mind. And there's probably a million cool. different ways that we could take a step towards that. But just what's been going through, through my mind is um, I'm sort of like seeing a serv- services with people from different traditions, different segments of the, of the mm-hmm. church. And could, and could there almost be a way we come together in a harmony? And I was almost imagining um, like multiple services taking place at the same time in the same place. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a sense, you had multiple mm-hmm. liturgical services that were happening on top of each other, but as we were actually united in a single space as a community and in a sense respecting respecting all the historical traditions that might have certain requirements about how we how we come to the Eucharistic table but could we could we just get could we get creative and prayerful about like what would it look like to share of one loaf of one bread and when would that actually as the scriptures say would that be the significant step towards being again one body there's a lot to there's a lot to work out there theologically and and practically, but just the image of of having people who disagree about some significant things, but in the same place at the same time, respecting the traditions they come from, but sharing of the same loaf and, and the same body, just it stirred my heart, and uh, it was a beautiful image in my mind. There's probably a, a thousand other ways we could take steps, but. It's just mm. something that I'm longing for and want to continue to pray into. Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, a little, a few months ago, um, I met somebody who um, didn't know me. It was the first time I met her. Um, we were just in a prayer meeting and she just turned to me and said, can I pray for you? She didn't know our story. She didn't know yeah. <laughs> everything that had um, happened, even you know, with RZM in the last few years. Um, but as she was praying for me, she said, <laughs> she was, she was, I could tell she was even nervous about saying it, but yeah. she basically said, like, I just see this picture in, in my mind of you like kneeling down and washing feet of people either who have betrayed you or who are going to betray you. Mm. And a sense of God saying, like, that is something maybe that you're in, but also is going to be a pattern for the rest of your life. And I could tell she was nervous about saying it because I think she thought she was saying something negative to me. Like, sorry, like bad news. Yeah, (laughs) everyone's going to hate you. It's going to be a miserable life. Um, But to me, it was, um, it was like the best thing she could have said, because Mm. when she said that, I felt this weight lift off me because it felt like, it felt as if the Holy Spirit was saying to me in that moment, you have permission to love. Mm-hmm. You have permission to love. And I think I've been hearing so many voices, it felt like, mm-hmm. in a season of saying, you've got to pick a side. You can love these people, but not these people. That person mm-hmm. did this. They're too far beyond mm-hmm. love. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, so so yes, love, but only in, in certain ways. Or, you know, and you could, in this discussion, it's like, no, well, they believe that theologically and, and you know, and, and, uh, and you don't. And so you can't love those people mm. or, you know, there's a limit to w- how far you should go for them or what you should do for them. And, and, but just that image of saying like, like you can wash the feet of people, whether they have hurt you in the past mm. um, or, or whether they're going to in the future, like whatever it is that they're bringing doesn't really matter. Like you have permission mm. to love. And, mm. um, and so I kind of feel like that's kind of where what I want to say to people is I think about unity. And I think almost within ourselves, we feel like, am I betraying the truth or am I betraying Jesus or am I doing something wrong if I want to love people over a divide within mm-hmm. the church or um, over a, a difference? You know, mm-hmm. especially if we think that difference is important, if, you know, mm-hmm. it's a matter of truth. Or, um, But mm-hmm. I think it's a misconception of the heart of God and, and you know, God, who, yes, like Jesus is the truth, but... And he's also a father who who 
asks us to be united. And so that's actually the heart of God is mm. you can love indifference. Like you have permission to love. <laughs> mm. And that's not just fight for truth. That's actually be people who fight for each other, who fight for relationship, who, who fight for what God fought for at the cross, fought for reconciliation. Mm. Um, so I think that's permission to love. Being. Yeah. I know the girl you're talking about who said that to you because, yeah. and, and I because she said something to me mm. and uh, and I really appreciate it because it was normally if mm. anyone gives you a prophetic word or it's always like oh you're gonna you know it's, it's always real happy yeah <laughs> and for mine she was like ah, I see a lot of suffering mm. and like the end of your life, there's going to be more and more like almost imprisonment for the gospel. Maybe it's an imprisonment or this or that. And, and again, very mm -hmm. nervous. Like, and I'm like, you know, that's actually good. You know, like I'd love to have the grace to be able to end like that. You know, I guess the, the last thought I have um, that I want to share is, uh, you know, I was listening to what you're saying about the, the gap the gatherings of, you know, all these different denominations and everything else. And, um, and there's just so much to work through, right? Sure. And weed through and go, but these people are coming this way. These people are coming that way. And this, da, 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 da. Yes. You know, yes. and you see this chaos. And, um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, you know, last, last, uh, couple of weeks I've been studying, um, Exodus, 33, um, really 34, and I, for some reason, you know, I, I just sometimes compartmentalize things, and I didn't see how 33 flowed into 34, which is like, well, 34 is the answer to 33, but I didn't get that, but I, I you know, because I just look at that one thing where God says, no one can see my face and live. Yes. Mm. That's the point of my sermon. Okay, then the next week, that you know, versus realizing, gosh, in this passage, Moses is asking for, God, I, I want to see you. Mm -hmm. I, I want to see your glory. I want to know you and your ways. Um, how, how does he say it? If I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. You know, so he's like, I, I just, I want every bit of you that I can have. Can I know your ways? Uh, like, what do you love? What don't you love? Yes. And and thinking about, gosh, back then they don't have thousands of years of history to look at of everything God did. So there's this moment of like Moses went up to this mountain that was on fire and it was shaking and and uh, you, you know and and what's he? What are we going to find out about this God, our Creator? And Moses here is saying, God, I, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't, I don't want to go. I want you, 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 more of you. Yes. And it was in response to that that God says, okay, you can't see my face, but here's what I'll do. And then in chapter 34, it says that uh, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, mm. forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But he will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Mm. Um, I guess when I think about that vision or dream or picture you have of everyone coming together, I just feel like if we all have this heart yeah. of Moses that just goes, God, I don't know that much about you. I want to know all of your ways, and I know I've been deceived. And I don't want to be deceived. I just want to experience you. And 
And we're all coming together with that, saying, God, I want to know you. Yes. And, and what you have revealed is amazing. I mean, Moses could have come off that mountain and, and said, I just spoke to him. And he says, he's an angry God who does not forgive. Like, the, the grief, but instead coming down, you guys, this is what he says about himself. He's a God that's merciful. Like, wow. that's who he is. And he's, and he's gracious. Like, he just wants to give. And he's overflowing with steadfast love and faithfulness. This, you know, it's like, are, are you kidding me? So he wants to forgive. He will forgive. And that's who he is. And he wants to just be gracious and give to us. And he has steadfast love. This is... You know, this is what should draw us together. We should just all be marveling, like, yes. do we see what God has uh, for us and who he is? And can we just come together? If you want to read liturgy, great. If you want to, you know, like, like to give some uh, just latitude, like, but we're all coming with this heart of Moses going, but can we experience you? Like, yes. You, you descended in the cloud and stood with him. Like there was some manifestation of him that wasn't just a, a feeling or a thought. You, you came down and you stood with him. And then you declared your name and you started telling him about yourself. This is what we're after. This is what we want. Can we just come together in unity yes. with humility going, we're coming before a God we can't even look upon mm. and live through. Yet he tells us he's merciful and gracious. Let's come worship him. However you want to worship him, just worship him. And, and let's work through our, our deception that's in our lives. But at the end of the day, it's we want his presence. Mm. We just want to praise him for being a God like this. And, uh, and uh, the great thing is this is what God wants. Yes. Um, it's not just what we, we only want this because God wants this. Mm -hmm. um, and he's put it in our hearts. And this was Jesus's prayer, like we said from the beginning yes. of John 17. It's not just a cute chapter. It's a fascinating chapter because you have the Son of God speaking to his Father, and this is what he asks for. Like, it is just a level of seriousness that we have to take. Wow, we just heard the Trinity speaking mm. to one another, mm. and this is what he said. And so, I pray that God somehow uses um, the humility that I see in your lives, the love, um, the desire for oneness, just to impact others. And I mean, I just keep praying that this is the time that we see it. Yes. The body coming together and Christ receiving the reward mm. for what he suffered on the cross. Praise mm. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.